Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Merry Christmas here at Sugarloaf across our campuses at 12 Stone Home. 12 Stone Online. Look at someone next to you and tell them, Merry Christmas. All over the room, all over the campuses, tell them Merry Christmas. Tell them, hey, you look good today. Even if you got a lie, tell them. Say, you look good today. God will forgive you for that lie, okay? They look good to him. Whether they look good to us or not, they look good. I don't know what I'm talking about. Merry Christmas. Glad that you're here. Man, Christmas season's happening. If you're one of our students here at 12 Stone, you're winding down. I got a woo in the back. We're winding down your semester, your fall semester. Let me give you some unsolicited advice. Same advice I give to my kids. Finish strong. Don't give up now. You'll have a way better break if you actually work all the way to the finish line. Keep going. Finish that up, and that'll help you have an awesome winter break. If you're now like you're a parent maybe of older kids, college age, or maybe even a little older, maybe your kids are dating right now, and that's sort of they're bringing home a boyfriend or girlfriend for Christmas for you to meet them. Let me give you some unsolicited advice as well this Christmas season. Let's throw it up there. A friendly reminder, put all current boyfriends and girlfriends at the edge of the family photo so they can be easily cropped out later. Uh, so listen, if, 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 if the little dreamboat, your, your daughter's like, he is the perfect man, and in six months you get the, call, the crying phone call, just get a little Photoshop. They don't exist anymore, right? That'll save you all the Olin Mills photo money. You can keep the family picture, right? That one's free for you this Christmas. So Mary, Mary, if you're the boyfriend or girlfriend and you're here today, I'm sorry. I hope it works out. It just... The odds are not in your favor. Let's just put it that way. It, more breakups than marriages. Anyway, Merry Christmas. We're glad that you're here. Lots going on at the church in this season as well. We got all kinds of opportunities to be generous as a church, and we're going to talk about that at the end. But I want to jump into the Christmas story together in Matthew 2. Let's put that up there, and let's get into the Christmas story today. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Think about this. The, the name before your name is king, King Herod. And suddenly some dudes show up going, where's the new king that was just born? What does that do to your psyche? You're disturbed. Wait a second. I thought I was, but he's not. What? Okay, that's what's playing out. He was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem in Judea. So then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Pause. If this was a movie, that's called foreshadowing. Did he want to go worship this new king? Nah. That's not what King Herod's looking to do. He's looking to take him out, and he's trying to get the Magi to snitch on where Jesus is. And we all know this. It's in Scripture. Snitches get stitches. Anyway, so uh, it's not in Scripture. And so, listen, I want to worship this new king. Like, I love this idea. No, he's disturbed by it. And so after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. 
And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. If you had a nativity set when you were a kid, you remember this whole scene playing out. It probably didn't happen when Jesus was in the nativity sort of world. It would have been months and months and months later. But this moment of like this beautiful moment where God's giving the earth the best gift it's ever seen, a a savior, a, a messiah. Jesus is here. Praise God. Merry Christmas. And these magi show up and they're, they're bringing gifts to Jesus, but there's this dude, Herod, and he's disturbed by the thought that he's about to lose all that he had gained. He's going to lose his throne. This new king showed up. Listen, he, he was looking out for himself. One selfish guy is messing up this beautiful Christmas story. You see, what, what God intended to be merry and bright, like the first Christmas is supposed to be perfect and, and merry and bright and beautiful. What God intended to be merry and bright, this one selfish guy was turning it into messy and broke. This one guy who, who God's going, listen, there's three characters in the story. God, he wants to be generous and give you a savior, Messiah, the best gift ever. There's the Magi who are bringing gifts to Jesus. And then there's one guy who's selfish, who's looking out for himself. Two people in the story are giving, one selfish. The odds are like, you're, you're already two-thirds in the good. But here's what we all know. Isn't it true that one self-centered person can ruin Christmas? Don't put a face there yet. <laughs> but isn't it true that just one person can mess up Christmas? Like everything's perfect. Oh, it's Christmas morning. One selfish, self-centered person can mess it all up. In fact, here's the question we're, at, we're answering and asking inside of this series is this. How, how do you actually live merry and bright in a messy and broke world? How, how do you live merry and bright when all it takes is one other person to be selfish and mess everything up? See, here's, here's today's teaching. I'll just, I'll just give it to you off the top. Just don't be that person. Christmas solved. If all of us just weren't that guy, don't be, this, don't be Herod in the story and your Christmas will be merry and bright. Like that, you're going to hear that a hundred times. Just don't be that guy. Don't be the selfish one that can mess up everything. You see, we all want Christmas to be merry and bright, don't we? We want the Christmas morning scene. We want the beauty of the Christmas tree. And we're all laying around in pajamas and fun and love and relaxing and hot chocolate that never gets spilled on the new couch and, and pajamas that are just all matching. I've never done that, but it looks cool in pictures. And you all have the picture in your head of what you want Christmas to be. I want the Christmas morning where my kids have British accents and they, after the presents are open, they say, Mama and Papa, thank you so much for the gifts you bestowed upon us. And I'm like, this is what I want. I don't know why British, but it just feels right. That's what I want on Christmas morning. The problem is behind all these merry and bright dreams is there's often messy and broke moments. So you got the one kid who got all his or her Christmas presents and they can't get over. They wanted the one that their brother or sister got. And you're like, you think I'm beyond spanking you on Christmas morning. I ain't. You got the crazy relative that comes to visit and he just doesn't have self-awareness. And he was walking around your house going, must be nice. Look at this play. Must be nice to be you. And you're going, you're so weird, bro. Don't make it like that. And it's not just out there. It's, it's, in, it's in here. You got, you got the husband who told his wife, now listen, babe, I don't need a present this year. You are my gift. The problem is the wife goes, okay, 
Christmas morning, he doesn't have a present. He's off to the sidelines just sulking. How could she not? Well, you told her. Or you got the wife who finally gets the dream gift, like the new set of golf clubs, the Blackstone Grill, like whatever it is, like the thing you want, the big screen TV. And then she opens her gift. And it's a handmade coupon book for back rubs. And this guy's over there like, you're welcome. And she's like, that's not what I want for Christmas. And you're going, man, this is not what I pictured for Christmas morning. Maybe Christmas night, you're scrolling through Instagram and you see your friends and what they got their kids. You're quietly judging them for spoiling their own kids while really you're going, man, I wish I could bring that to my kids. And here's what happens oftentimes. You find yourself in that situation and you utter a phrase. And you, you, it, it, the intent of the phrase is to help get your kids past selfish Help get yourself past a moment where you're disappointed. And you utter this phrase. We probably all uttered it somewhere. In fact, here's how it sort of plays out. Say, like, now listen, little Billy. I know your cousin got a PS5, a pony, and a trip to Europe for Christmas. I get that. But it's better to give than to receive, right? And little Billy's like, yeah, that's cool. But it looks pretty awesome to receive right now. See, we use that phrase to like get ourselves out of a tough situation, like a, like a Band-Aid to get our kids from grandma's house to the car without them having a meltdown. No, no, no. Better to give than receive. Better to give than receive. We use it almost as like a Band-Aid. But I, I want to read a phrase to you that I, that I hope will shape how we approach this. Here's how I wrote it. What if that phrase was not intended to be a Band-Aid to help you endure messy and broke? but was instead intended to be a breakthrough to help you unlock Miriam Bright? Like, what if that little statement was not meant to just get you through an awkward moment where you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas, so you just sort of play it off with, better to give than receive? What if it was, if it was the breakthrough for you this Christmas? See, it, it matters who said that phrase, because you weight things differently based on who said them. And maybe you've said that phrase in a dozen different ways, but you never knew where it came from. Maybe you just thought it was a cultural axiom that parents handed down to like get them out of a bind with their kids that are ungrateful. Better to give than receive. What if it wasn't? In fact, it isn't. Thanks to the Apostle Paul in Acts 20, we actually know where that statement came from. Here's what it says. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It changes the weight of that phrase depending on who said it. And guess who said it? Jesus. There's few people, if any, there isn't, that have more weight to the things they say than Jesus, the incarnate Christ, the Son of God, the reason we get to celebrate Christmas. He is the one who spoke these. And then to add a little bit more gravitas to the statement, this is the Apostle Paul recording that phrase. And it's the last words he says to the church at Ephesus before he gets on a boat and leaves. So when you're giving your last words you're ever going to say to these people, you weigh your words differently. And he's saying, listen, you need to understand this. If I get to say one last thing to you, it'd be this. It's more blessed to give than receive. See, maybe that statement is not some band-aid. Maybe it is the breakthrough for you this Christmas. It is actually better to give than receive. Why? Listen, because selfishness is toxic to relationships and giving's the breakthrough. Don't discount that statement like, yeah, 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 yawn, I get it. 
Selfishness destroys relationships. If both people in a marriage are looking what they can get from the other person, how long is that marriage going to be healthy and whole? Not very long. It's toxic. It destroys whatever it touches. Selfishness destroys from the inside out. But listen, giving is the antidote. But what gets broke is this. In relationships, by design, we exist in relationships because we actually do need to receive from each other. Like, I didn't marry Amber thinking, I hope that she never gives anything back to me, and I just give my whole life for 50 years and die exhausted, and she never gives anything. No, I never thought that. I, I, I want a give and take in the relationship. But, but here's, here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying it's the absence of receiving. He's just defining how you receive. The way you receive is by giving. The way you get more out of a relationship is actually by giving more to the relationship. You want your marriage to be better, give more. You want your wife to be more selfless, you be more selfless. You want to receive more kindness, kind words, affirmation, hugs, and love from your wife, you better be the one who gives first. Jesus is saying it is actually better to give than receive because this is how you actually get more. In Ephesians, here's, here's how it describes it in the context of marriage. He who loves his wife loves himself. Isn't that interesting? A husband who loves, serves, cares for, gives to his wife is actually loving, caring, serving, giving to himself. The way you get more out of marriage is by giving more. The best thing you can do for yourself is to be about others. Can I give you some top-tier marriage advice? No? Okay, I'll skip it. It's awesome. <laughs> I'll try it again here across the campus. Can I give you some top-tier marriage advice? Thank you. I spend, to talk to your campus pastor, I spend two to three hours in marriage counseling to get to this statement. Look to give more in your marriage than you get from your marriage. Can I give you some top tier friendship advice? Look to give more in your friendships than you get. You want some top tier family advice? Look to give more in your family than you get. You want some top tier business advice? How do you climb a corporate ladder? How do you get noticed and seen and appreciated? Look to give more in your company than you get. Because you're going to stand out like no one else will. Because most people go through life looking what they can get. I want to get more from you. When you want to give more to something, Jesus said, listen, this is actually how you get more out of life. And one person, one Herod can mess this up. Think about how hard it is in a marriage where one spouse wants to receive and one spouse wants to give. Think about how hard it is in a family when three of you go, listen, we're about everybody else, and one is selfish. How quick does that mess it up? Think about how hard it is in a church when some of us go, listen, I'm about whatever I can do for the kingdom. I'm going to give on it. And there's a group of us that go, I want to receive it. It's all about me. Think about how quickly things spiral downward. Listen, we want to teach our kids to live like this. We want the people around us at work, at school, in our family, in our marriage. We want the people around us to live like this. And when they do, it feels merry and bright. And when they don't, it feels messy and broke. But listen, what if what is actually messy and broke is that we don't live like this? What if the thing that's messing up and breaking the joy you want this Christmas, the joy you want in marriage, the joy you want in relationships is that we don't live like this? See, last Christmas, I got a gift card for $150 to Bass Pro. Now, I know some of you are like, okay. For me, it was like my precious. Like, it was the thing. I, 
This is, I'm so cheap that when I get like a free, get out of jail free card, I can spend it on whatever I want to spend it on. It feels like a million dollars. Whenever I'd have a bad day, tuck the kids in, Amber goes to bed, I'd go look at BassPro.com and just dream of all the stuff I could buy. I'm like, ooh, I could get this or I could get that. Ooh, look at this shiny new thing. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> I'm just not in the nose. I looked at a crossbow. I was like, you know what? I need a crossbow. I'm like, what? I started thinking about, what am I going to do with a crossbow? But I was like, that's it, a crossbow. And then I started coming to my senses. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt myself with that. Uh, and I was like, you know what I want? Is I want a Blackstone grill. I can't afford all of it with this gift card, but that's a good down payment on a Blackstone grill. And I, my head started to spin on all the things I could buy with my new little gift card. And then my kids started getting into fishing. My older, my older boy, my two boys got into fishing. The lake in the neighborhood. The problem is that lake has not been fished in decades. And there's these catfish on the bottom of the lake that might weigh a billion pounds. They're huge. Like, I'm not afraid of, like, I'm afraid of sharks. I, I would tell you I'm not afraid of catfish. I would not swim in that lake for a million dollars. Those things, I think, eat you whole. Huge. So we would, we would buy our kids these little cheap Walmart fishing poles. And no lie, these, if a catfish would catch a hold of it, it would snap their pole in half. These kids kept having their poles snapped over and over again. My wife one night just mentioned they broke the poles again. Here's the problem. You know what Bass Pro sells? Fishing poles. And I'm sitting there going, God, I give and I give and I give. This one's mine. There's a roof over their head. There's clothes on their back. There's food in the pantry. God, don't take my gift card. This is the one thing that's mine. It's unaccounted for anywhere. My wife wasn't planning on it for a bill. My kids don't need anything. This is my, and don't look at me all judgy, by the way. Y'all have been here. How many, how many of you have had a moment where you're like, this one's mine? I've get moms, you've said this. I give and I give and I give. I'm done giving. Dads, you go, I pay for bills. I do all the things. This one's mine. So obviously, I went to Bass Pro and I bought my boys two good fishing poles. I lost out on my crossbow, lost out on my blackstone. My kids walked out with like two legit fishing poles, like $150 worth of fishing poles. And I left, and I'm going to be honest, I felt like I got robbed. I swiped that little gift card and got the receipt back. Balance, $0.00. And I went, I lost in this deal. I'd be embarrassed to tell you the immaturity in my heart. <laughs> I'd be embarrassed to tell you the immaturity in my heart. That was my little Jason-only thing until one day I was driving home from work and I drove in the neighborhood, this little lake, and I look and there's my two boys next to each other, poles in the water, laughing with each other. It's like the Spirit of God whispered in that moment, oh my goodness, I got way more than I gave. So when I watched how it played out, I went, oh my, I actually got more then I gave him this deal. Yeah, sure. Crossbow would have been sick. A blackstone would have been awesome. But look at my boys. See, it's truly more blessed to give than to receive. And all this is inside the Christmas story. Namely, that obviously God gave us this beautiful gift of Jesus. You know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. That's the big one. Then secondly, you look inside this Magi story and listen they give us the story as a narrative. So let me make an observation. And this is my premise. Listen to me. 
if you could see, you would give. See, if I, if I could have seen in my mind's eye that moment with my boys next to the lake making memories together, I think I would have given more quickly and more freely. The problem was I couldn't see. All I could see was what I wanted. But the second I saw them by the lake, I went, oh. And my premise is if you could see, you would give. Here's the story in Matthew 2. The Magi presented Jesus with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We know that part of the story. But go back. What was the progression that got them to this point in the story? Here's what it says. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened up their treasures and gave him gifts. Do you see it? Once they saw Jesus, they gave freely. They didn't give when they were walking here all the way from the east. They didn't give before they saw him. But once they saw Jesus, they gave freely. Giving is almost always in response to what you see. And here's what I believe. If you could see, you would give. If you could see in your mind's eye the, the next to the pond, the two boys going, it was so worth the stupid gift card to give them that beautiful memory to build family this way. If you could see, you would give. I, I don't have time to unpack this. But let me just give you examples. Inside of marriage, if you could see, you would give. If, if you could see past yourself and see what your spouse is carrying, you would give more freely. See, what's broken a lot of marriages is that you can't see the weight, the pressure, the complexity that your spouse is carrying. And so all you do see is, man, she is short-tempered today. She is on edge. Man, he's, being, he's got a temper with the kids today. And so what do you want to do? You want to pull back. How could you do that? But as soon as the, your spouse goes, hey, can I let you in on something? Man, work was just terrible. I got this pressure of this and I got this or your wife says, man, I'm just carrying this thought that I'm not enough and I just, I'm in, my, in between my ears. As soon as I see that, what do I do? I so freely give because now I see. If you could see in marriage, you would give. See, in parenting, my job as a father is to help my kids see. And when I watch my kids start to go selfish because we all do, when I watch my kids go selfish, why can't I have this or God, how come I can't get that? I could either discipline them and punish them, which I've did for years, or I could help them see better. You know what I do now? All right, let me talk to you. Let's go, let's go up to my office. I'm going to talk. Right now, as we do kids' banks and all that stuff for Christmas, I'm, I'm saying things like this. Son, do you know that there's kids that this Christmas, they're just going to get a pair of pajamas, and they're going to be over the moon grateful? And I watch him start to soften. Hey, son, you know that there's going to be kids that are going to get a gift card to have food over the Christmas break, and they're going to be so grateful. Hey, daughter, you know that there's, there's families that are going to get a dependable car, and it is the best gift they've ever received in their life, and they're so grateful. You know what happens nine times out of ten? As soon as they see, they soften. See, once you see, you can freely give. And what if what's broken is not your heart, but your eyes? See, what's happened over the last two or three years is our eyes have shrunk to just see us, right? I got to protect my thing, the economic things going on out there. I just, everything shrinks to see me. And what if God brought you here today to say, listen, this whole give is better than receive thing is not a trite little axiom. It is the breakthrough for your marriage, your family, your character, your soul, your, your spiritual journey. This is the breakthrough. And here's the deal. At the core of what it means to be a daymaker 
is that we believe it's actually better to give than to receive. Like it's, it, we're, we're banking our lives on that simple thought. And it's not a band-aid to get you through a tough moment. It is the breakthrough for many of you. It is better to give than receive. And part of my job as, as a pastor here, listen, part of my job and my calling here is to help you see, to call you up. I want to help you see when we get into a, this February and we do a relationship series, what am I going to do? I want to help you see so that you'll freely give and love your spouse better. We do a series on how to share your faith in, in March, and we, we, we start to say, I want, to, I want to give you the tools you need. What am I doing? I want to help you see the people in your life differently so that you'll freely share your faith. Like Part of my job is to help call us up, and the tension of a church like this is there's so many people, and there's so many campuses. There's 12 stone homes all over the country, and it, there's so much going on that, listen, there's more happening than you can ever see. And part of my job is to help you see, because I believe if you could see, you would give. You're a generous church. You've proven that for 35 plus years. If you could see, you would give. And part of what I want to do is I want you to receive in this moment. Can I, can, I, can I give you the other side? Thousands of you are generous, generous givers to this church. I want you to see the others. I want, I want you to pull in the neighborhood of our church and see the boys by the lake. That's what I want this moment to be. You receiving the joy of what you've given. Because listen, you've given and you will receive so much more than you've ever given. I just want you to see it. See, just this past year, we had 1,085 salvations and rededications in the last 12 months. That's worth clapping and celebrating. A thousand plus people. They didn't know Jesus. They were destined for an eternity apart from him. Did not understand that God died, sent his son Jesus to die and rescue them. A thousand people bowed to Jesus this year. 436 people were baptized across the campuses and across 12 Stone Home. Unfathomable. God called us to plant churches all over the country. Just in our church plants, we've had 86 salvations this year. God is doing amazing things. What, what would you give to see someone come to Jesus? See, this is the stuff that you don't get to see all the time. Because of your generosity, there were 146 middle schoolers and high schoolers who couldn't afford to go to camp this summer that did. You did that. 146 parents who wished to God they could send their kids. And think, just put yourself in that parent's shoes. I would love for them to be there. I can't. Well, guess what you did? You were a church family, and you stepped up, and you gave, and they received. And now you need to feel the joy of receiving. You did that. 24 high school students are exploring a call to ministry. 24 kids believe that God spoke and said, I put you here to be in full-time vocational ministry to lead the future of the church. Guess what? Pastor Kevin's in his 60s, and he's in that season. I'm in my 40s. Feels like forever's ahead of me. No, it's not. In 20 years, we better hope that God's called the next generation into ministry because the church is going to be hanging on their shoulders. 24 of them just this year are exploring a call to ministry. There's one, one girl, I want to tell you this story briefly, a girl named Bella. Her friend Lily invited her to age 12, which is our high school ministry on Wednesday nights. And Bella responded to an altar call at the end of the service, just wrestling down, what does this whole Jesus thing mean? And, and she got connected to her small group leader, and her small group leader followed up and called her that week on the phone and just said, tell me what God was doing. Long story short, she got to lead her to Jesus on the phone and Listen to what she did. I want you to hear the hunger for Jesus this girl had. 
one week after she just had a mumble with God and then she was led to Christ on the phone by her small group leader, she said to her small group leader, I think I need to tell my soccer coach I can't practice on Wednesday nights. Because that's when age 12 is, I need to be there. And so she's weighing out. Think about, you're in high school, you're on the soccer team, pick the sport. How, how, how much gravity that has in your life. And so quickly she goes, you know what? My whole life priorities have shifted in this moment. Now she realized I, I, that's probably not the right way to do it. So guess what her small group leader did? We're going to meet for small group on a different night than Wednesday. So you could be a part of it. And now she is being discipled in her faith. Jesus is radically transforming her life. That's one of hundreds of stories of what God's doing in the next generation. They're hungry for Jesus. And you did that. Receive it. When you think of these stories, you're seeing my two boys on the side of the lake going, oh, it was so worth it. See, this year for Jambos, we're collecting pajamas. You know that all the way through Christmas Eve. By the way, they had a TikTok video go viral this week, and I don't know all the details of all of that, but they had like triple their request for pajamas. So church, let's show up and show out for them. Let's actually go crazy generous with this. 12 Stone Home, 12 Stone Campuses, you can bring pajamas over the next three weeks. Here's just one story. Of the 32,000 pajamas we've collected in the last three years, I want you to hear one story. There's a high schooler at the Buford campus named Braxton. Plugged into the student ministry, serves in, in, the, in K-12 every week. He mentioned to us this, this year, he said, you know that I used to be in the foster care system? Really? So you know what the best gift we got every year? Socks and pajamas. I said, really? I said, yeah, the, the foster system is not flush with cash, as you can imagine, and they don't keep the homes at a really hot temperature in the wintertime. And every time I got a pair of pajamas, I actually could stay warm through the night, and it was like God was hugging me, saying, I see you. Guess where he got his pajamas from? Jambos. Church, that's one of 32,000 what we get to do. If you could see all of these stories like God does, you would keep freely. You would have pajamas coming out your ears if you could see it. That's what we get to do this year. Not to mention our global impact. I was asking our, our um, global director this week, like, dude, tell me, what, what are we doing around the world? And he starts all these major stats and stories. He said, actually, just this week, we got to feed 242 families in Kenya in a village that had a drought and no one had any food. I'm like, what? This week? He's like, yeah. We had a partner there reach out and say, man, there's a village that if you guys could just jump in and send us what we need resources-wise, we could feed these families. Church, listen, you just this week fed 242 families who had no food in Kenya. That's the church. If you could see all that God lets us do across the world, just this year, you, you were able to provide 300,000 bags of clean water. 300,000 bags of clean drinking water to people. Like If you could see... You would give. See, as I look back this year, and I don't have time, I could list a hundred things that God's doing through the life of this church and through your generosity. But you, you, you gave so much this year, but we got so much more. It truly is bet, more blessed to give than to receive. It's the beauty of the local church. See, typically what we do right now is this is where we'd wrap things up and I'd pray and we would kind of leave you to go process, how do I apply this and how do I move forward? But I want, to, I want to do it a little bit differently today. I want to have a family conversation. And I want, to, I want to do that part of what we do hopefully every week with you. See, what we hope is that you leave here and with your spouse or your family or your small group or 12 at home, you sort of do this as part of your rhythm every week. But we hope that you actually process 
what God taught you in the teaching and go, what's one takeaway and what's something that I can apply to my life? See, I got a friend that every Sunday after church, he takes his family out. And they sit down in the restaurant and this is what they do. Tell me one takeaway and I want you to tell me one thing you're going to do. And their rule is you can't repeat what someone else said. So you can imagine the kids are trying to answer as fast as possible because there's only so many takeaways. See, what I want to do is I want to do that conversation collectively with us as a church because listen, you have to go make a decision this week about what you just learned and then you have to act on it. Like you have to decide and then you have to act. Like I did with the Bass Pro gift card. Everything in me didn't want to do it. <laughs> but ultimately, I had to make a decision. Am I boys getting fishing poles or am I getting a sick crossbow? Like, what's going to play out? I had to decide. And that's where we're at today. And listen, we're a church family. And we're going to go bless a bunch of families around us this Christmas. But in order for us as a church family to bless families this Christmas, you as a family have to decide and act what are you going to do to bless and be a part of what God's invited us to as a church? See, next week we have something called our Christmas offering. We've not done this in years. It's been a long time since we've done a Christmas offering. And we're going to actually pass baskets next week. Some of you are going to be like, what, do, what, do, what is this thing? Do I, what do I do with it? It's going to be, we'll get through it together. We've got great ushers. But next week, that's going to actually happen in service. And this week, you have to make decisions. You have to wrestle some things down with God and decide, what is it going to look like for you to be a part of the Christmas offering? Because listen, there are so many good things we could be a part of. But we believe God's put it on our heart as a church to do a, a narrow lane of things and make a massive impact. See, we don't just decide stuff. We don't just pick things we pray. And we believe God's asked us as a church, there's a, there's a few things that we believe are on the heart of God for us as a church to go bless people. And you've heard this already, but this Christmas offering next week is not for us. Every dollar that comes in leaves the walls of this church and blesses people. Not just to be kind and good people. There's plenty of good people, but so that they would know that there's a God who sees them. Whether it's through a pajama that, that a, a kid in foster care goes, it feels like God hugs me when I put these pajamas on. Or whatever we get to be a part of, it's, it's to point people that there's a God who sees them. So I want you to, just to remind you, what are, the, what are the lanes of things that God's inviting us to as a church? The first is this, that we believe God's asked us through one of our ministry partners to have 10 single moms, and we're going to bless them with reliable transportation. 10 cars for 10 single moms. Our heart, again, you've heard this before, but in case you haven't, think about the complexity of being a single mom already. Add to it, you don't have a car that works. Well, you should work and get, you should be able to provide. Really? How are you going to provide when you can't get to work? Well, there's 10 moms that are being vetted right now that we're going to give, call it $100,000 worth of cars to these single moms, and it's going to change their life. It's going to change their kids' view that there's a God who sees them. That's what you get to be a part of next weekend. Second thing is that we're connecting with the Gwinnett County Public Schools, Hall County, Jackson County, the surrounding counties, and they have a list of the, of the kids who they would call food insecure. And maybe you've never even heard that term because you've never lived that way. But it's they don't know where their next meal is going to come from. So the cool thing about our school system is that some of those kids that are in that position, they get to have free and reduced breakfast and lunch at school, so they're guaranteed at least two meals a, a day but there's something called Christmas break coming up. <laughs> and I, I can't fathom it, but they go home and go, 
got 10 days, 12 days, 14 days before school's back, and they don't know how to, like, get food. So we said, man, that's, that's on the heart of God that we would care for these kids. And so we worked with them, and we've got the names and, and data from the schools, and we're going to call it 3,000-plus kids. We're going to make sure they have the basics of food they need to get through the Christmas season. And this is cool. Two things. First, we got, the, we got a bunch of gift cards from Publix, and they heard what we're doing. They said, we're going to chip $10,000 in towards that. Isn't that awesome? That giving begets giving begets giving. <clears throat> Secondly, we've, we've already received a video thank you from the Board of Education at one of the counties. They just said, man, thank you. Like, we, we grieve. Think about that. You're a teacher. You're a part of the schools. You know what's going to happen when those kids go home. You go, thank you for being the church. Thank you for, for doing what you've, you say you're about as a church. Thanks for these kids. Call it some $200,000 in food that we're going to provide over the next two weeks to these kids that are food insecure. And then Pastor Kevin and I were talking this, this week, and we want to add a third lane to the giving. See, considering the economic circumstances right now, there are people that call this place home that they don't know how <clears throat> their Christmas meal is going to happen. And you're trying to decide between presents for your kids or a Christmas meal or gas in the car and rent or more. Like we get things are complicated and we can't solve all those pressures. But we just said as a church family, it matters that we take care of our church family first. And so next weekend, after we receive the offering, your campus pastors and pastors are going to tell you what this is going to look like, how it's going to play out. But after we receive the Christmas offering, call it the first $100,000 that's going to go back out to make sure that church family at least has Christmas dinner on the table. You don't have to decide between Christmas dinner and, and toys. And so we're going to have gift cards for you so that you can have that as well. And so if, if you're a 12-stone family, you're here, you're, you're committed, this is your church home, and, and you're in a place where it's like, man, I... I don't know where Christmas meal is coming from. We're going to take care of that for you next week. That's the heart of God for you. That's the third lane of what we get to do. So your giving next week goes to fund all those things. Call it $400,000 of generosity. Might be the most generous Christmas we've ever done. Why? Because we believe it's better to give than receive. Like as a church, we want to give more than we receive. That's the calling God gave us. But you have to go home this week and decide what is, what is it going to look like for your family? So I want to talk to three groups, and there's sort of three lanes of giving that I want to reference, and you'll find yourself in this, and I hope that God will help encourage you in it. The first is this. You, you would be a difference maker in your giving, and here's what that means, that you, <clears throat> you currently diligently honor God in your giving. You understand the tithes and offerings. You understand what it means that, God, you're my provider. The first 10% goes back to you and to honor you for who you are and what you've done. And that's you. You're, you're probably in some sort of recurring giving online and you don't need to mess with any of that this week. You don't need an offering basket to remind you to give. You're the people that actually are difference makers here through your giving. But I would invite you to listen, ask God, God, if I was going to bring you an offering, what would that look like next week? I'm never going to tell you a number to give. That's not my place, but I'm going to invite you to ask God, God, if it's truly better to give than receive, what would it look like for me to honor you through an offering to bless other people? What would that look like? Talked to a 12-star this week, and he said, God made it simple for me. God said, double tithe. So yes, I give recurring giving online. I'm going to double tithe, meaning this, that's going to happen. But next week, I'm going to bring a check for the Christmas offering that's, listen, I'm going to, on top of that, double that down in tithe. Some of you, we've talked about the, maybe it's 10% of what you would have spent on Christmas. 
And it's a great way to disciple your kids into, into generosity. Hey, kids, you're getting 10% less so that someone else can get something for Christmas. Grow your kids up in this. Second group is maybe you're drifting in giving. Maybe over the last couple of years, giving has sort of drifted for you. And you, you used to be a difference maker. You used to be committed in that way. And God's just going, man, maybe this Christmas offering is for you to correct drift. The places that you've drifted into holding back, it's all mine. I need it. I got to protect. You start to look more like Herod than the Magi. Your world starts to close in. Maybe God put this Christmas offering here, not just to help the people that are going to receive, but to help you as you give. Because there's places God wants to give you breakthrough. But as long as you hold back and you stay selfish, there's things that you can't get to in relationships and spiritually when you're selfish. Listen, maybe next weekend is the first time you give in years. And I would say this, the first place, maybe you've not tithed and you're going to start tithing next week, do it. But give your first tithe to the Christmas offering. Let's go bless people. And then after that, you can sit inside of that and recur inside of that. Third group I want to talk to is this. You, you've never been awakened to the truth that it's actually better to give than receive. And the Spirit of God is awakening you right now. And there's places where if you're honest, you never realized, holy cow, God's made promises in that. And there's actually the, the way that you receive is by giving, by being generous. And maybe it's never occurred to you that there are spiritual breakthroughs when you start to unleash and give and say, God, it's all yours anyway. And next week might be the first significant gift you've ever given in your life. You may have never even given to a charity. I don't know. But certainly never to God, never to his church. Next weekend might be an, an awakening day for you. And this week you go home and pray through, God, what would it look like for me to give? What would it look like to sacrifice and say, it's not just about me. There are people that I want to make sure have a Christmas. That if I give through this, I give through this church to that. See, I want to pray for you. And I want to invite you into one of my weird sort of things that I do. I'm getting older now, <clears throat> 40. <laughs> when I was 20, that is old. When you're 60, it's young. To me, I feel old. My brain doesn't remember things. And so I have a text thread on my phone with myself. You might think I'm crazy. <laughs> but I get in moments like this and I can't remember things. And I want to invite you as I pray, maybe you want to pray with your phone out. And you're going to just text yourself. If you don't know your number, you can find it in your thing. But you, that's a different kind of old. As I pray for you, maybe you'll grab your phone. And there, I'm going to pray through the three groups. And as you find yourself in these groups, maybe you'll just text yourself, yes, God. And when you get your text back from yourself, you remember this week, God, I'm asking whatever you ask me to give, I'm saying yes right now. Don't feel any pressure from me. I don't care. Except that I actually believe it's better to give than receive. So we're going to pray. And there might be a moment in the prayer, you just text yourself, yes, God, that's me. I need to do that this week. So would you bow your heads with me? Pastors are getting ready to step up across the campuses. So Jesus, you so love the world that you gave. Let that settle in. That giving is the operative verb in the gospel. That you so loved us that you gave your son to get us back. And so our response, Lord, is this, to, to be more like you. To embrace your very character, your very nature, God. Your nature is generous. So God, this week, for many of us, 
We're going to be wrestling down what it looks like for us to live generously. And the answer to that question is not, a, not an amount of zeros or commas, Lord. The answer to that question is more about obedience to what you ask than an amount. So God, for that first group, the difference makers in giving, well, I don't know if it's a double tithe this week. I don't know if it's sacrificially pulling something out of a savings account or a number that makes us so nervous. We hope it's not you, but, but God, God, whatever you ask, we'll do. Would you tell them that right now? If you're in that group, just tell them, God, whatever you ask, I'll do. Holy Spirit, would you, would you help bring them? Maybe it's as a family. Maybe it's as a married couple. Maybe it's as a small group. Maybe it's just them and you, God. This week, as they ask, would you get them to a place of like, this is what I want you to give. And maybe now you just text yourself. If that's you, you text yourself, yes, God, I'm in. Whatever that is, I'm in. God, there's a second group. God, those who are adrift in their giving. Places where our world's just grown small and more self-absorbed. We look a little bit more like Herod than we used to. And really our life revolves around, what do I get out of something? What do I get out of something? And God, maybe you would use next week's Christmas offering to arrest that, arrest the drift, bring them back to a place of generosity that God, they can put you first in their finances. Again, this is just the first of many. If, they, if you're in that group, just text yourself. Yes, God. God, I need to, I need to correct the drift in that. And then God, there's a third group that this will be the first time they give. They've never been awakened to this reality. It's better to give than receive. They're, you're going to awaken them to it next week. And God, I pray this week that you would give them confidence and boldness that you're with them in it. That God, you will help them see that you invite them to live a life that's bigger than themselves. It's the most beautiful way to live is to be about others. And God, would you awaken things in our church that we would be not just a place that exists for a Sunday morning experience or 12-stone home gathering, but we exist for something bigger than ourselves, that as a church, it's better to give than receive. So God, I lay the Christmas offering in front of you, and I trust you with it. And God, would you use us, your church, to bless thousands and thousands of people this Christmas. In Jesus' heavenly name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.